You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the 415ers podcast on a Monday morning, a victory Monday for the 49ers who defeat the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night football 22-16. A reminder to everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Five stars are appreciated. Evan Giddings with Mark Randy, as always. Mark, how do you enjoy the game? Uh, what did you do for Sunday night football? Enjoying a, a game that the Niners used to get above 500. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was a lot of fun. Just you know, sat back at home. I know you were down uh, in Santa Clara at Levi's, uh, bringing in the game in person. I'm sure the atmosphere was was incredible. But I enjoyed the game on my couch, keeping notes and and keeping track of the game. And kind of an interesting game. Matters fall behind early. They get behind by ten points. In fact, so Kyle Shanahan, you can you know notch a, a comeback win in in his book under his record. Uh, but twenty two sixteen, the final again. The Niners needed to have uh considering all the injuries that the chargers had and considering the niners were coming off of a bye week so they got the job done but it wasn't always pretty yeah from the time they go down 13-3 in the first half they end up outscoring the chargers the rest of the way um i mean pretty much dominating them in the second half the the defense pitches a shutout in the second half for a second straight game uh, as they score the final 12 points of the game in the second half they hold the chargers mark to 53 yards in the second half and we talked about some of the maybe deficiencies on the chargers side which created an opportunity for the niners to really take advantage step on the throat of an opponent we're going to get to everything about this game, the things that we love, the things that maybe we didn't love. But first and foremost, you got a victory. You climbed within a half game of the division with Seattle losing yesterday to the Buccaneers. You're in a prime position coming out of the bye to pick up a result, even if it wasn't necessarily uh, you know, the, the, the dominant victory that some people were expecting. It was a win I think you needed to have. And just from listening to, to a few guys in the post game, namely Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Warner, it was it, w- it was to go out and get a game. Maybe maybe not a, a game that you know you're you're gonna just win by twenty points and roll, but for how flat the 49ers came out, it, it, it's it's a win that I'm sure people are waking up on Monday morning and and being like, "Ooh, exhale." And survive in advance because that was a, a hard-fought victory against, I think, a, a quality Chargers team. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, maybe it wasn't the dominant win that a lot of people were expecting. Niners win by six. Vegas had the line set at seven, so it was right around there. But the game was really close until the final, you know, minute. I mean, the Chargers had the ball with a minute left, a chance to go down and win the game with the touchdown. Um, I, I do think that the final score was a little bit closer than you know, how the teams played overall. The big number, of course, for the 49ers was the red zone. I mean, in five red zone trips, all of which became goal-to-go trips. So it wasn't just like they got to the 19-yard line and installed out. They got inside the 10, had goal-to-go five different times, only scored touchdowns two of those times. So, I mean, this is a, a situation for the 49ers in which, 
they were able to move the ball really the entire game. There was a three-drive stretch in the first half where they really struggled to move the ball. But aside that, they got almost everything they wanted between the 20s until they got down there, and then you know they struggled. But you look at some of just the raw numbers. Take away the final score again, 22-16. Just the raw numbers. This was 49ers domination, 22 to 12 in terms of first downs. Total yards, 387 to 238 in favor of the 49ers. They tripled up the Chargers on the ground, 157 rush yards to just 51 for Los Angeles. The Niners rushed the ball 41 times. We talk about 40 as kind of a gigantic target number. If they rush the ball 40 times, they will not lose. And even with those rushing numbers, the Niners still outgained the Chargers in the past, 230 yards to 187. On third downs, the Niners, 9 of 17, over 50%, and a lot of those were long third down conversions. This was Niners' domination up and down the box score everywhere you look except for the final score. Now, there's some positives to that. There's some negatives to that. The Niners, they're playing healthier teams in the future. They're going to need to convert when they get down into the red zone. But still, a lot to be positive and be happy about when you look up and down the box score because ultimately, the Niners were the better team by far, except for when it got into the red zone. That's a problem in and of itself, but still a lot of positives to take away from this game. Yeah, I mean, statistically, they look good. I I was kind of curious in the first half, like they went down 16 to 10, but... um, you know, they, they had accumulated more yards than the Chargers did. They really just came down to that that opening drive in which the Chargers marched down the field. Yeah. Uh, there was kind of a broken play on a 30-plus yard touchdown to DeAndre Carter that Talano Hufanga took credit for or took accountability for after the game, basically saying it's my bad. I think it's inappropriate that he's the one that essentially seals the deal, getting the interception at the end of the game, as he has done uh, many times throughout this season, right place, right time, fourth pick of the year, um, puts a nail in the Chargers' coffin. I, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily felt like 49ers domination, and maybe that is because of the red zone. And look, things could be different if Brandon Ayuk makes a catch on third yeah. and goal in the red zone. Uh, things could be different. If on that first drive, Kyle Shanahan maybe opts to go for it on fourth down, um, maybe if he opts to go for it on fourth down later in the game on the two-yard line, there were some interesting coaching decisions by Kyle Shanahan that um, that we can that we can go through certainly in this game, Mark. But at the end of the day, a win is a win, and this is a team that I don't I don't know if you can necessarily pencil in victories i mean look they got two wins in a row they got a big monday night game coming up next week against arizona and a neutral site game in mexico city the teams in colorado or will be heading to colorado soon to get ready for that in terms of elevation nothing is promised in the national football league as we saw throughout a lot of games yesterday at this point of the year you should have an idea of who your team is and right now the 49ers team they to me look like that that sort of defense first ground game expectation that once Jimmy Garoppolo took over, we felt like this team is going to have to revert back into 40 plus times. You mentioned it. Kyle Shanahan's now eight and zero when they rush the ball 40 times two and zero this season, even though yes, it wasn't pretty. This is a situation. This is a scenario and equation that works 
for the 49ers, even if it keeps you on the edge of your seat till the end of the game. Sitting in the press box, a lot of the, the media members are saying, man, this kind of feels like a boring game. Yeah, it feels like 49ers football. Like that, That's what they do. They pitch shutouts in second halves, and they don't really seem to make adjustments on either side of the ball. It's a process-based team that wants to run the rock in the first half. Maybe they didn't do as effectively as, as we would have hoped, but they wore down the Chargers. They just leaned on them the entire game to the point where you could tell in the second half, Los Angeles was gassed. And guys in the postgame were talking about that on both sides, Chargers and 49ers, how it was a very physical, felt ball game and one that I think it is is kind of a, a playoff preview in a sense. It was against a battered Chargers team, but that's the way the 49ers need to play if they're going to have to try and you know pick up wins, which they did. And right now, Mark, they're above 500 at the earliest point in a season since 2019. That's definitely sure. nothing to scoff at. Last year at this point, they were trying to figure out who they are. I feel like we know who the 49ers are at this point after Week 10. Yeah, and they've also won consecutive games for the first time this year. Five and four, above 500, and uh, consecutive wins under their belts. Uh, second halves is is something I think to keep an eye on for the rest of the year, Evan, because those were struggle points for the 49ers early second halves. They were getting beaten in second halves. They would come out, have a fantastic first quarter, you know, kind of an even second quarter, and then things would, you know, start to fall apart in second halves. Uh, but it's the, the script has completely flipped. And it's because, obviously, I mean, the run game was good in the second half. You look at, at just last night against the Chargers, the Niners ran 41 total plays on offense in the second half. Uh, apart, the 49ers ran 41 in the second half. The Chargers in the game only had 56. So it was ball control for the 49ers in the second half. Of those 41 plays, 25 were runs. And they were consistently getting six, seven, eight yards per play on first down runs, setting up second and short, leading to third and very short, or not even getting to third downs, keeping those drives moving. So the 49ers, their uh, run game was a big reason why they were able to just dominate possession and, and play ball control in that second half. But you look at what their defense has done in second halves the last two games. Two weeks ago, their last game before this one against the Rams before the bye, they allowed 58 yards in the second half, about 2.3 yards per play, zero points allowed. And then this week against the Chargers, 52 yards allowed in the second half, 2.7 yards per play, and again, zero points. Back-to-back -back games in which the defense has pitched a shutout in the second half against the teams like the Rams and Chargers who have stars on offense, certainly the Chargers very banged up the Rams in their own right offensive line issues and, 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 you know, whatever you want to say there, certainly injured teams, but incredible defensive performances for the 49ers in second halves. If the Niners get those kinds of defensive performances combined with, you know, their run game, picking up six or seven yards, almost every single carry, it seems like. And as you mentioned, wearing teams down, they're going to win a lot of games, and, and there might be you know, some close games that come down to the final few minutes, but the Niners are going to have a gigantic advantage because of the style in which that they're able to play in second halves. No, they, they were fantastic, and, look, and that's kind of, even though I, I think there were some interesting things on offense to take a look at, that's probably where most of the, the nuanced conversation is going to happen. 
uh, all credit to the defense. The only thing that that maybe was a negative in that game, and and I'm curious what you thought about the Dre Greenlaw uh, ejection, where he in the first half kind of um, on a on a sliding play by Justin Herbert or a diving play, I should say, because he essentially was a runner at that point. Um, basically, put his his shoulder into into Herbert's helmet. The mask went sideways. Uh, he ended up getting flagged for you know what what most college football people would consider a targeting. Yeah. Um, it gets ejected from the game, unnecessary roughness. That was really the only low point for the defense the entire game, especially in the second half. They held Justin Herbert to 35 passing yards in the second half. That is the lowest total in his career. I understand he's throwing to Joshua Palmer, who at the beginning of the season would have been his third or fourth option, but. You still have Austin Eckler back there who he can continually check it out of the backfield to. You still have a, a couple of options to throw that beat you in the first half. It was interesting for me to hear that Nick Bosa and Fred Warner were on the same page that the game plan did not change from the first half to the second half. They made very few adjustments. They dialed up a couple of blitzes, but if you're just even watching it, the eye test will tell you the defense did exactly the same thing that it did in the first half as the second. The difference was they executed in the second half. The Chargers could not run the football the entire game. They had to beat you through the air. And once the Niners drew even, even though they didn't cash in on that first drive in the second half, they go behind 16-13. You could just feel the momentum tilting in the 49ers' favor, and you could feel the Chargers teetering on the bridge of, we don't know how we're going to solve this problem on the other side, which is a D'Amico Ryan's defense that was swarming, that was flying to the football. And every time there was a Chargers player that they tried to get in space, it was immediately closed. The gap was was, was one or two yards between a Hofanga, a Warner, a Greenlaw up until he got ejected. Guys, even on the defensive line, that playing without Armstead, playing without Kinlaw, were plugging holes left and right and did not allow the Chargers an ounce of an inch of breathing room in the second half. That's to me why this game, even though it may have felt um, like you were holding your breath a little bit because technically the Chargers had the ball down in their two-yard line with under a minute left and a chance to go and, and win the game, at no point in the second half that I feel like even though the Chargers had a chance to take the lead, that they ever were because of how good the 49ers defense was. Yeah, and to your point about Austin Eckler, and certainly this becomes easier when you don't have star receivers to worry about. This game looks entirely different if Keenan Allen and or Mike Williams play. I mean, honestly, it, it would open up everything for Austin Eckler so much more. But to your point, Niners able to focus a bit more on Austin Eckler. He still had a really effective first half. I mean, only 10 rushing yards in the first half on four carries, but six uh, catches out of the backfield for 37 yards. I mean, those are decent numbers for a running back. You look at the second half numbers, though. Two rushes for 14 yards. He had one that went for 12, the big number there, and only one catch for two yards. The Niners essentially took him out of the offense in the second half. They were sending, you know, Fred Warner, who had a phenomenal game, double coverage everywhere Austin Eckler went, even on just simple routes out to the flat. They had him covered. There were multiple times where Herbert threw to him. I mean, he was targeted 
five or six times in the second half, it felt like. But four of them, five of them fell incomplete because there was a linebacker bearing down on him, ready to, you know, knock the ball away or he could feel the pressure. Herbert was rolling out to the right. Bosa was was on his heels and forced a, a wayward pass that fell incomplete for Eckler. The Niners defense did what they needed to do against the star running back, Austin Eckler, in the second half. Again, three total touches, two carries for 14 yards, one catch for two yards against a guy who has just been dominant in terms of scoring touchdowns against anyone and everyone over the last month. Uh, The Niners' defense against Austin Eckler, phenomenal. We haven't seen anyone defend him as good as the Niners have this year. Uh, definitely not in a certain half. Want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast coming to you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Randy with you as always. Okay, Mark, let's, let's, let's look at the offense here because this was a game that I, I think is going to get sort of swept under, under the guise of, you know, just again, we talked about it off the top, but they just leaned on the Chargers all night. And the Chargers are a team, and especially a defense that is a bend but don't break. Uh, the Niners' defense didn't bend at all uh, in the second half, but the Chargers certainly just, just, just kind of. I, I think they allowed the Niners to to get primarily what they wanted in the first half between the twenties, but in the second half, to me, the Niners took what they I mean what they deserved between the 20s the Chargers showed up to me a little bit the big area to me for the for the Niners on offense was on third down and particularly third and longs where I thought that Jimmy Garoppolo even though his numbers or were Jimmy good 19 of 28 240 a 94 quarterback rating no no touchdowns through the air of course did have a rushing touchdown in the first half no interceptions, uh, one turnover forced by the Chargers in that first half by Derwin James. Um, but the Niners didn't end up losing the turnover battle because of the late pick by Hufanga. That was that was about as efficient as I've seen the, the 49ers on third down. And look, they're fifth in third down conversions at 46.6%, including last night. They're third in the league on third and long, which is seven or more yards. 38.5%. They were 9 of 17 overall on third down, 4 of 7 on third and long. Jimmy Garoppolo did what he had to when the team was behind the eight ball, whether they could or could not run the football effectively. And that's to me where we're going to need to see consistency. It's not going to be so much as, all right, we, we got to have a total number of runs. You get to run the ball 40 times because you're extending and you're creating long drives on third down. That's where Jimmy Garoppolo made his money last night for me and the 49ers. Yeah. Specifically just to add on to those statistics there, Garoppolo on third and eight or more for the 49ers against the chargers, six of seven passing 90 yards, four first downs in a rating over 118 on the season, on those plays third and eight or longer, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers have converted on uh, 45.2% of of the time. That's second only to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs converting just a tick under 47%. So the Niners elite on third and long, uh, kind of an interesting number there. You wouldn't have guessed it, uh, but the Niners with all their weapons, they can spread it out. They're hard to defend because they can throw it to so many different guys. Uh, There were a couple of different 
third down conversions that really stood out to me. First of all, it was in the first half, third and 12, 49ers down 13 to three, about five and a half left in the first half. Of course, Niners have the ball, a huge conversion to George Kittle over the middle. It was his first and only catch of the game. He catches the ball right at the sticks, breaks like four tackles and rumbles for five, six, seven more yards. Niners eventually turn that into the Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback sneak for a touchdown to get back within just a field goal. And then in the second half, the start of the fourth quarter, down by three points, it was the Juwan Jennings drive. Uh, these weren't really third and, and very long, but he had a third and five conversion for 11 yards. Then on second and 20, after a penalty on the offensive line, he caught a pass for 12 yards to bring him back to a third and eight. And at that point, another catch and conversion for Juwan Jennings. He got this one only about three yards beyond the line of scrimmage and then had seven yards of yards after the catch, getting the first down, making a number of tacklers miss and moving the chains. That eventually becomes the Christian McCaffrey two-yard touchdown run. There also was another third and 10 conversion on that drive when Brandon Ayuk had a, uh, had a conversion, a 24-yard conversion on third and 10 all the way down to the two, setting up that McCaffrey touchdown. So uh, those third down conversions really stand out because they led to touchdown drives. And if you don't get them, the Chargers get the ball right back. And who knows, in the first half, they could have made it a three-score game. In the second half, they could have immediately kicked it back up to a two-score game. So those conversions, and not necessarily guys that you would maybe expect in Juwan Jennings. And again, it was Kittle's only catch of the game. Uh, the Niners difficult to defend in those spots because they can throw it to literally five different guys. Anyone that's on the field that is available to catch a pass is, you know, is, you know, certainly possible to get it. You, you can't really shade one way or the other because you just have no clue where it's going. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot you got to cover. And, and the, like the Chargers are also missing the number one corner. But even Asante Samuel Jr. was kind of taken advantage of at times. And I thought the Niners did a really good job of creating space for yards after catch. Juwan Jennings, I think the third and five to me is the one that stands out the most. It was just kind of like a little stick route. He dumped it off in the flat and Juwan made a man miss and then got up the field for 10 yards to extend the drive. I do want to, before we, we get back to the, to the passing and receiving, I do want to get your thoughts on the distribution of touches because Look, there wasn't as many passes, I think, to go around last night just because of how the game played out. Obviously, there's 41 rushes on the ground. They had 29 pass attempts, uh, 70 total plays, which was 10 above their average. So they actually ran the ball a lot more. They controlled the clock, I think, 37 minutes to 23 in terms of possession. But Elijah Mitchell returns. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I expected him to be involved but I didn't expect him to out-carry Christian McCaffrey. He had 18 carries. I know Christian McCaffrey also got involved in the passing game, so it's a little bit different. I think he had technically more plays called for him than, than Elijah Mitchell overall this game. But 18 carries for Elijah Mitchell. He comes back and is immediately reinserted into the ground game. 89 yards, about five a pop. His longest run was 12 yards, so he's pretty much just consistently churning out the, those four- to five-yard carries against a, a Chargers defense that I thought played pretty well considering how bad they've been against the run coming in this 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 game. But El Elijah Mitchell and McCaffrey, like that, that, that to me has got to be, if not the best, one of the top two or three duos out of the backfield in football. 
I know that there's one also going on in Miami with another Kyle Shanahan protege and Mike McDaniel. But if you're looking at two backs that complement each other just about as well as any backfield in the league, I know technically you could throw Debo in the backfield as well because he also got the ball on the ground. But to me, Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey, they are a, a, a two-headed monster that showed last night, even coming off of injury, Elijah Mitchell is only going to get healthier, that they can carry the load for a game between them. And it doesn't matter who's going to get you know, 20 touches, 10 carries or not. They can beat you on the ground with both of them, not just one taking the lead over the other. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't expect Elijah Mitchell to lead the team in carries. I did think that this was a really interesting thing to keep an eye on from the start. I mean, I even I even tweeted it out pregame, like rank the following players in order of, of most touches to fewest touches in the game tonight. Like, what's your prediction? And the five I, I wanted answers on were, you know, the five stars, McCaffrey, Mitchell, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. How would you think that these touches are going to be distributed? My guess was McCaffrey won. Debo Samuel two, Elijah Mitchell three, Brandon Ayuk four, and George Kittle five. It was close to right, except Mitchell was on top, and then McCaffrey uh, and Debo Ayuk and Kittle in that order. Uh, but I, I was surprised uh, that it, it, it did, you know, play out the way it did with Elijah Mitchell getting eighteen carries. He also had one, excuse me, one catch out of the backfield. Um, I think a lot of that is is the way the game was going. The Niners just were dominant on the ground, especially in that second half, which is where Elijah Mitchell got most of his touches. Um, and they were, you know, totally fine with with maybe, you know, moving away from the pass a little bit in that second half. And you get in more passing down situations, you're you're going to get more Christian McCaffrey touches because he's just such a weapon out of the backfield. And Elijah Mitchell is not nearly at that level. So I think a lot of it was situation and game script um but still i think it's it's fantastic for elijah mitchell i mean he comes back for the first time he missed what six games um and he he comes back and is able to get a relatively normal workload in and he was really effective on the round running hard once again uh i think that's something to keep an eye on i was expecting a little more just design touches for Debo Samuel. I was expecting the same from George Kittle, but as you mentioned, this is a team where it might be one guy, one game. And then the, you know, the, the flip, the, the script is totally flipped the next game where you could see the opposite. Um, I do think it's something we talked about last week where maybe you have to be a little, you know, concerned about keeping everyone happy. I mean, I know that Jimmy Garoppolo addressed it post game saying, you know, talking about fantasy football owners and, you know, maybe this isn't the offense to, to have, players on your fantasy team because they can spread it around so much and it might be inconsistent but he said that they've got guys that are you know team first guys that are selfless that are willing to sacrifice as long as they get the win and that was certainly the case uh you know against the chargers last night again i mean george kittle one of the best tight ends in the league just one catch two targets debo samuel had six targets but only two catches he had four carries and he was a little bit more effective on the ground had a 15 yard carry for 27 yards total just under seven yards per carry. These are guys that were effective when they did touch the ball, which is they didn't touch it all that often. It, it, it's a great problem to have, but but again, I I was a little surprised based on how those those touches were distributed. Yeah, and the the quote that Mark is referencing was in reference to a question about both the maturity of the team as well as kind of the the buy in, knowing that 
a guy on a given day, like you're saying, is not going to get that many targets. And Jimmy said, look, everyone on this team, quote, is not about individual stats. Uh, fantasy points for all the fantasy owners out there. Uh, this this isn't the way it's going to work. But he said, we've got a team. Like I, He said, I think it showed against the Rams. Guys stepping up, showed again today. They don't care if they're getting 10 targets or one. If we get a W, a W is a W, and that's all we're here for. Now, I'm I'm with him, and that works last night. But I am curious to know what that quote sounds like if the Chargers find a way to pull that game out last night. Because the door was open, and it was open until about 30 seconds left in the game. I know we're going to look back on the on the stats and see how dominant a victory it was for the 49ers, like you mentioned. First downs, yards, second half. I mean, it was night and day. The Chargers got their lights put out, basically. But there is something to me to seeing Debo Samuel with four rushes. He had more rushes than receptions. Um I mean, Jawan Jennings looked like a more trusted target on third down than, than a guy like Debo Samuel was. And that could have been just a product of the game. But I, I, I do wonder if there's going to be some, some disgruntledness if there's not a win. Because this is such a process-based team that I, I, just, I find it hard to believe that they'll continue to be the buy-in if there is a loss and maybe that's, that's just going to be the equation for the rest of the way. Like the 49ers put together this team of, of massively talented skill position players. And as long as they win, nobody can complain, but I can also see some guys maybe not feeling that way. I, it was, it was interesting to me to hear the the tone of a Jimmy Garoppolo uh, after the game, you know, you look, he's, that, that guy's all about wins. I think, um, what he's, what was the record? Like 10 and two, um, you know, primetime games or something like that. Like, like he's, he's, he wins that that's what he does, but, uh, he's also not a guy that's going to get the ball around to everyone and distribute it extremely evenly. I, I, I don't know, Mark. I, I, I thought it was an interesting quote and one that, although uh, last night, a, a victory sweeps everything under the rug, um, if it doesn't turn out to be a win, I could also see guys being pretty pissed. Yeah, I, I think this is something where it might become a story if the team struggles, they lose two in a row, they lose three out of four, you get towards the end of the season and and there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. Then, you know, you might hear maybe Debo Samuel be a little disgruntled. You know, I was a you know a all pro last year. I was the reason that we made the playoffs. I was the reason that we got to the NFC championship game. Uh and in was the main reason why we almost won that game. Uh, if if struggles start happening and, and Debo Samuel is still averaging, what, six touches a game and four of those are on the ground, only two catches, maybe you start hearing something. But I think the team, despite the fact that there were those red zone struggles, they're, they're still feeling pretty good about themselves. Again, they've won two games for the first time this season. They're five and four. They're so close. They can, they can sniff first place now in the NFC West. I think things are, you know, still coming up roses for them right now. But I agree that if this gets to a point where there's a little bit of frustration just based on final scores of games, then you might see, uh, you know, some individual players look at that box score, 
look at their touches, say, hey, this is not equal what I'm paid. This is not equal what I'm capable of. Something has to change. But as long as the team is winning and and they're on a course to win the NFC West and host a a playoff game, I think we can sweep this under the rug rug like you mentioned. But it is something to kind of keep an eye on and, and, and check back in on every so often. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, make sure to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast. My name is Evan Giddings, along with Mark Grandy. Uh, you can find me on social at egiddings10. You can find Mark on social at Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Make sure to also download, or pardon me, um, follow and uh, throw, throw the notifications on to the 415ers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll try and have some more content coming for you each and every week. Mark, um, I, so what did you sort of take away from the offense? Like, because to, to me, that that's more of where the, the discussion lies. Obviously, the, the points, you'd love to see them score more than 22. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, their lack of efficiency in the red zone. But th- there's a couple of things that I saw that firstly were, were positive. Um, one of them, although, is a double-edged coin. Number one, I think we saw... We saw some backyard football from Jimmy Garoppolo last night. Yeah. We, we we saw Jimmy Garoppolo be able to operate off script. Even Kyle Shanahan referenced it in his postgame conference. There was a couple of plays where Jimmy was on his second, third, or fourth read on plays that are not going to be perfect. Namely, I'm looking at Jimmy G's rollout and throw up the sideline to Ray Ray McLeod on a dime in that second half, one in which helped contribute, you know, to, 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 to a touchdown, um, or pardon me, to, to a field goal. They're getting into the red zone for the 49ers, but like Jimmy G to me, and, and I don't know if it's just because he's had time now to reintegrate himself. He's got, now he's got basically essentially two months back in the system. He's feeling maybe physically at his best. Whereas, you know, some guys, uh, midway through a season coming off of a bye. I, I just like there there's there's even though the numbers were not incredible for Jimmy G, he was just as good as he was against to me the Rams, where statistically he had maybe his third or fourth best game as a Niner, even though last night's not gonna go down among uh you know one of one of the great Jimmy G games. Like to me, that that's the type of quarterback that you need that I would feel confident in going on the road in a hostile playoff atmosphere. Because at least I know he can make a play when his first read isn't there. And he's also got guys now that I feel like he can depend on. Yeah, look, I mean, everyone's going to look at the box score and see zero touchdowns passing for your starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. And they're going to kind of write it off and say, eh, he wasn't very good. But I mean, the reality is, if this team is just a little bit more effective in the red zone, he easily could have had two passing touchdowns. Again, he didn't. I'm not saying that you should be crediting him for having two passing touchdowns when he didn't, but it was right there. And you know, the difference between zero passing touchdowns and two in this game specifically wasn't all that wide. And he also had a rushing touchdown. He got in the end zone himself with that quarterback sneak. Uh, By the way, the one thing that Josh Allen can learn from Jimmy Garoppolo, how to sneak the ball because Jimmy Garoppolo is great at it. And it costs Josh Allen and the bill is a win. Um, But I I there's a lot of things that cost him a win. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was one of them. And ultimately, Unfortunately, bad news for the 49ers because the two seed in the uh, NFC still has only one loss on the year. Um, but I think you you look at Jimmy Garoppolo 
you know, 19 to 28, 240 yards, did not turn the ball over, didn't really have maybe a, a turnover worthy throw in this one. None that really stand out to me. There weren't, there were some bad throws, ones that weren't on target to his receivers, but not nearly ones like there were against the Rams where it bounced off Jalen Ramsey's chest or, or his helmet or whatever the case was. There weren't those kinds of throws in this game. Uh, he was efficient. He was effective. He took care of the ball and he led the Niners down the field when he needed to. And he played his best on those third downs like we previously talked about. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think this is one of Jimmy Garoppolo's better games of the year. And I think in this 49er offense, you can kind of throw out the passing touchdown number uh, just because of the way that this Niner team likes to to do things. I mean, look at this stat. The, the best winning percentage for a quarterback in the Super Bowl era when not throwing a touchdown pass. And this is the minimum of, of 10 starts without a touchdown and playoffs included. And this comes from, from Josh Dubow of, of the Associated Press. Jimmy Garoppolo, without a touchdown pass in a start, is 10-2 and two in 12 career games. That is best in the Super Bowl era. Next best is Lamar Jackson. He's 8-3. and three. Jalen Hurts third, 9-3. and three. And then you get back into some older guys. Roger Staubach is up there. Pat Hayden is up there. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo, the best winning percentage by a quarterback without a touchdown pass in his NFL career in the Super Bowl era. That's a wild statistic. A lot of it, you know, is credit to the defense and the running game. But still, it tells you what you need to know about this Niner team. They do not need a hyper effective passing game, an explosive passing game to win games. They need them to pick up some third down conversions. They need them to move the ball a little bit, get an explosive here or there between the 20s, but they do not need this Niners passing offense to be among the elite in terms of quick strike offenses like the Chargers are, like the Chiefs are, like the Bills are. The Niners do not need to be that because of what how they've built this offense. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is leaning into that, and he is you know, relatively that kind of quarterback. If, if you're looking for a guy who can move the ball you know, quick, slants out to the running backs between the 20s he's the guy that can do that the Niners do not need that elite passing offense the the quick strike offense through the air and that's good because that's that's the area that Jimmy Garoppolo struggles so we kind of see some uh, I don't know that the, the the game plan for the 49ers you know kind of revolving around their quarterback which is how it should work but isn't always how it works and I think the Niners have kind of solved that uh, so far this year yeah, I mean, I think they would they would love to have a, a uh, quick of strike offense, uh, but no, they they do the best with what they have, maybe more than than any team in in football with with Jimmy Garoppolo right now. The the other part of the offense that I wanted to touch on, Mark, is I I, I don't know about you, and and maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, but even now going back over the last four games, to to me, I I I feel comfortable saying, especially with. Christian McCaffrey now being in this offense and what he does similar to Debo Samuel. Brendan Ayuk is the number one receiver on this team. Like he he has established himself as a true number one. Now I know that he had a drop touchdown, but one of the characteristics of number one wideouts is being able to simply put that behind you, to be resilient, to overcome adversity. And that was the only slip up he had during the game, because especially in the second half on drives and plays where you needed it, Brandon Ayuk was fantastic. You, 
I mean, you, you touched on a couple of plays earlier, but third and longs in the second half, and the Chargers 26, third and 10, 24 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo finds him a little bit behind him, almost similar in a sense. I know it's a little bit further down the field, but a similar type catch to the one he dropped in the end zone, he makes at the two-yard line. Christian McCaffrey punches it in on the next play. The next drive down, there's a play on the sideline, third and 10, against, I think it was Michael Davis, a guy who runs a 4-3-40. Ayuk's not going to beat him down the field. He's got to create enough separation for Garoppolo to fit that ball in there, and Garoppolo does. And Ayuk even draws, I know they picked it up, but he drew a flag on the play, makes a contested catch, Brandon Ayuk, to me, is a more dependable option at this point. He's a better route runner than Debo, but I think he's now taking that next step and has over the past couple of games now 80, 80, recept- uh, 80 yards, 80 receiving yards in the last four games for Brandon Ayuk. He's been a steady, consistent go-to guy for Garoppolo, who I think trusts him now more than ever, and that's why, to me, last night against the Chargers, I saw a guy maybe not in one singular game, take a step forward. But over the last month and a half, I've seen Brandon Ayuk separate himself in addition to McCaffrey coming in and maybe taking some of those touches away from Debo. Ayuk establishing himself as the number one wideout for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it's, it's, he's been pretty consistent, and you can kind of see him building off of performances. I mean, the game... Uh, against Atlanta was good. He was really good against the Rams and, and and this one as well against the Chargers. Seven targets, six catches. The only time where he didn't convert a target into a catch was that one you were you were talking about, the drop in the end zone. Uh, not a perfect throw, but certainly one that uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk needs to catch. He also had that unfortunate fumble in the first half, which was the only other area where he he made a mistake. And it was a really big hit. I believe it was Derwin James coming in from the secondary and there was helmet to helmet there and no flag called. You could argue that if you want. Unfortunately, Brandon Ayuk uh, put the ball on the ground. The Chargers recovered. That, though, was on an explosive play. I think that was like a 20-yard a, a reception somewhere around there. It, it turned into a turnover, and, and the Chargers got the ball back uh, early in, the, in that first half. That was the only other bad moment, and he's really becoming – a security blanket for Jimmy Garoppolo. We talk a lot about Juwan Jennings on third downs. Brandon Ayuk is also becoming that third down guy. There was that one you mentioned just a couple of moments ago, the third and long in the second half where he he took it uh, 24 yards all the way down to the two-yard line, setting up that touchdown that uh, really you know put the Niners out in front in that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, I agree with you. He is becoming this team's go-to guy in the passing game. Debo Samuel, I mean, you you look at his numbers, obviously they're not pretty in, in terms of a, a receiving guy right now. I mean, two catches on six targets. You just look at how often a quarterback is able to convert or connect with his receiver. You just look at, you know, percentage of targets turned into receptions. And, and maybe a part of this is, you know, Debo Samuel getting unlucky. Some of Jimmy's wayward passes happen, happen to be going to him. But I think there's something to be said about the fact that when Jimmy Garoppolo targets Brandon Ayuk, more often than not, they turn into receptions. And that's not the case with uh, Debo Samuel. And, and even George Kittle's numbers aren't as good in that regard. So Brandon Ayuk becoming Jimmy Garoppolo's security blanket isn't something I necessarily expected at the start of this season. I think we all expected a a better season from Brandon Ayuk, but not to the point where you could legitimately say, as the team is five and four after week 10, that he is 
the team's number one overall receiver. And again, this is not as gigantic of a role as maybe in other offenses because of the running game the Niners have and because of the fact that they can spread it around. Like Ayuk isn't going to average double-digit targets. He's not going to average 100 yards a game. But as you mentioned, pretty consistently now up in the five, six, seven, eight catches number and up over 80 yards a game, which is nothing to scoff at. And I agree with you. At this point, there's no reason to argue that he is not Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, and he is not this team's number one receiver. Yeah, and the, the last the last place I want to finish on this episode, it wouldn't be uh, a four on fivers episode without a look at maybe some of the things that that didn't go well for the 49ers. And I know we only have a couple minutes left here, Mark, but I I am a little curious about some of the the goal to go decision decisions by Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, uh, specifically on. The first drive, which turned into a, a field goal, I don't necessarily fault him for not going forward on fourth down. To me, it's more about, I guess, the lack of creativity on third or maybe second down and just stalling in the red zone within five yards, a place where you should, as a run first and a run dominant team, ideally be pretty good. I think also the decision to not go forward and take the points at the end of the game didn't also really make sense to me within the grand scheme of, of of the game because the Chargers had just stalled three and out at their own two-yard line. The Niners had a chance to go for it on fourth. If they don't get it, they're still up by three points. I know the Chargers then, of course, can kick a field goal and tie the game, potentially send it to overtime. But with how good your defense has been, with the identity of this team, which is defense first, there's just a little bit of some mixed signals to me on how Kyle Shanahan approaches those red zone chances and maybe why the Niners could have left some points on the board. Uh, Shanahan addressed both of those moments post game. And what he said was the plan going into that play, the, the third down plays after those plays, the plan was to go for it. But on both those third down plays, they lost a little bit of yardage. So he he felt uncomfortable going for it from a little further away. I think both were from the two-yard line, essentially. Maybe the first one was a little further back, two-and-a-half-yard line, but I think in the book, officially from the two-yard line. Maybe you say, well, it doesn't matter. It's one-yard, two-yard, go for it. But I agree with you. I think maybe where the discussion point is, specifically on the first one, is – Okay, well, try harder to get in on third down. Don't you the the third and goal play from the two on the first drive of the game when they were down seven nothing was a shotgun snap. Debo Samuel was lined up slot right. Christian McCaffrey was lined up next to Jimmy Garoppolo when the shotgun. They moved Debo Samuel in motion from right to left behind the quarterback, trying to draw a defender away from the right over to the left. And out of the shotgun, they handed off to Christian McCaffrey. I'm not sure third and goal from the two calls for a shotgun snap handoff to your running back McCaffrey, who is strong and powerful, but isn't necessarily known as a, as a bruiser between the tackles. I'm not sure about that call. I think I'm okay after you don't get anything on that third goal, third and goal play to, to kick the field goal. I'm not really sure how I feel about the, the one at the very end of the game when you're up by three with a minute left fourth and goal from the two again, I think you can make the case that both the calls, whether you kick the field goal or you go for it, are you know trusting your defense because if you get the field goal, only a touchdown beats you. 
there's no f- uh, opportunity for a field goal for the Chargers, and you trust your defense to keep them out of the end zone. But if you go for it and you don't get it, suddenly the Chargers are backed up from the two, and you're confident in your defense as well uh, to, to not let them get out of the shadow of their own end zone. And, and ultimately, Herbert throws an interception, and the game's over anyway. I think both uh, are, are credits to the defense from Kyle Shanahan. So I don't know. I mean, I think we're probably splitting hairs, but well, but but but, but th- this is the thing though, because actually in the press conference, he asked the media what happened on that play in the first drive. Now I'm not saying you should have every play memorized coming off. You called 70 plays in a game, but he did explain that the reason why he didn't go for it was because they didn't feel comfortable going from the two. Which, which tells me if you only feel comfortable going from the one, you only feel comfortable giving the ball to Jimmy Garoppolo for a quarterback sneak, which is how they scored their touchdown in the first half. Yeah, That to me doesn't really make sense. Like, okay, maybe I, I didn't really agree with the play call. I think a lot of people did. But you didn't go backwards on the first drive. You 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 stayed at the two-yard line, and you might have even got an inch further. On, on the last drive of the game, you did lose a yard from the one to the two. So him saying, I don't feel comfortable on the two yard line as opposed to the one. Like I, like I, I know, I know there's like, it's a game of inches. Right. But to me, it, it, it seemed like a little bit, it felt to me in the moment, like a little bit of a cop out from Kyle Shanahan. And this is something that has, you know, fallen him a little bit this season, the red zone um, offense and inefficiency settling for, for field goals outside of, you know, maybe a couple of games, but it's something that I'm I'm going to keep note of moving forward because if it happens again, I I I do have to look at him a little bit differently. Yeah. I think quickly. I know uh, just a re- last thought here. I think for me, I'm more so concerned or worried about ultimately, as you mentioned, as a whole, the red zone inefficiency more so than than the decisions on fourth down. I think you could go either way. Honestly, I don't think there is a clear right answer in either one because of the way the defense was playing. Uh, but I think the bigger issue is, okay, try to score before you get to fourth down and avoid the decision overall. Because if they do that, I mean, they win this game by 20 points, yet they ultimately only won by six. Yeah, no, it's it's just, it's also interesting seeing, of course, across from him, the guy who goes for it on every single fourth down uh, and Brandon Staley. Hey, they were Rick- one on fourth down in this game. Uh, yeah, that, that turned into, that was the interception, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember off the top of my head. I thought it was, I uh, could have been uh, either way. Um, I don't know. No, you're right. It would have been backed up inside their own. Their it was own the one goal. right before. Yeah. one right before the interception. Yeah. Either way, the 49ers pitch a shutout in the second half. They allow 53 yards of total offense on defense. That is why they walk away with a 22-16 victory on Sunday night football at home. The Niners are now 5-4, and four, handing a char- Charger team their fourth loss. Uh, the 415ers will be back on Wednesday, Mark, as this wraps up our Monday Victory Monday episode. Appreciate you all tuning in, as always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Download, rate, and subscribe. And we will talk to you next time.